0: Coming up today on The Courier Daily, we talk retail.
1: What COVID-19 has done is it's accelerated the trends that were already underway. It's accelerated the push towards flexibility. It's accelerated the push
2: towards e-commerce. Clearly, offline retail is, is even before the crisis, is, is really tough. And online is getting bigger and bigger. So we're bringing that really important element of taking them online and driving those online revenues as footfall goes down. In our view, that's only going to clearly be exacerbated and accelerated by this crisis.
0: I'm Daniel Giacopelli. It's the 8th of May, and this is The Courier Daily. We've been catching up with small business owners every day, all over the world, from Hong Kong to New York, to find out clever ways they're adapting to the new normal. Today, with tons of cities, states, and countries beginning to reopen, we're looking at the state and the future of shops, physical brick and mortar shops. Up ahead, we're with the co-founder of Truva, an e-commerce platform where you can buy products from brick-and-mortar boutiques to hear how they're adapting. And then we're in Berlin for a dispatch on some small businesses there. But first, I'm with Ross Bailey. He's the CEO and founder of Appear Here, a platform for short-term retail space. Ross joins me on the line now. I guess, first of all, I mean, you guys deal with physical locations, most of which I assume right now are closed so how's business been for you guys look i mean it's been incredibly
1: tough as a company you know last year we did more than and we launched more stores than our entire history and you know the first two three months of this year were incredibly good and you know we backtracked on a lot of that because we we offered all of the brands that had booked flexible cancellations after this had happened because you know We felt from a values perspective, that was the right thing to do. But in many ways, you know, as a business, the world stopped, you know, the world that we live in, which is very much the IRL, the real world in our big major cities. You know, we've got offices in London, Paris, New York, and those cities have all completely shut down because of lockdown people naturally aren't going to be booking stores during this short-term period. So it stopped. It's been incredibly challenging. It's incredibly challenging as a crisis, but you know, as a business, what we've tried to do is make sure that we're using this time to innovate, to do the things that we had sort of put aside to really focus on bits of the product where we can make it better for when we come out of this. And to be there for our community, like we've really doubled down in our content, doing masterclasses and providing information and, and really trying to support those independent brands because, you know, the restaurants and the stores and the shops are why we exist and we exist for those entrepreneurs and, and those entrepreneurs and those storefronts, they're, they're the content of our cities. They're the things that I'm missing right now as I sit in lockdown. So, yeah, it's been incredibly challenging, but it's incredibly challenging for our community.
0: Do you think, though, on a more positive note, that when this all ends or gets slightly more normal, that people will forego longer leases and perhaps try pop-ups more because it's a temporary solution and they're not locked into something for the long term that they can't get out of?
1: What was amazing is when we offered this cancellation policy and and sort of flexible movement of dates, nearly 70, 80 percent of all the brands chose to move their dates versus take cancellations so you know that shows you sort of the optimism from the entrepreneur side and, and how they still want to do this but it's just when is the right moment i think the other thing that i found really interesting when we spoke to those entrepreneurs was how many of them went god you know what this has been a nightmare but had we have taken a five-year store we would be over so i think that you know what covid 19 has done is it's accelerated the trends that were already underway it's accelerated the push towards flexibility it's accelerated the push towards e-commerce and i use the word e-commerce carefully because i think you know the way i've always viewed it is that commerce now is everywhere and whether you're buying from your phone or contactless payment or however it's sort of working there's just no real barriers so it's not like everyone right now we are but before this i was using i guess i was shopping online all the time but i wasn't doing it at my computer i was doing it on my phone while i was on my way into work or walking into a coffee shop so i think that this idea that somehow now the online world is separate to the offline world hasn't been the case and and i think yes it is right now during lockdown but i think it will only accelerate those brands that are using e-commerce and, and and coming out of this i think that view of commerce being everywhere will stand i think that the push towards people caring about where their products are from who made them the people behind them i think that was already happening it's been accelerated the empathy, the respect, the the sort of support for those independent brands and those entrepreneurs that has come out of this crisis will only push people, I think, to do that. The focus on consumerism and what we're seeing with the impact that that has on the environment, I think people are becoming more conscious. And again, I think what's happened here with COVID will only accelerate that. So I think in many ways, we're just accelerating the trends that were underway. And from a real estate point, you know, the landlord leasing model of before has finally finished. And those Lamb is gonna to have to look at ways to do that differently. And big stores full of lots of product and lots of shelves and just about making people buy are the ones collapsing. And we're gonna see great, amazing retail fall into place and, and replace those things. You know, a lot of the incredible streetwear brands, incredible brands that are much more based around moments and, and really building fans and, and, and sort of view this in a very different way. They've actually done very well during this time. Not as well as they would have, but they've still done
0: well and those brands will continue to thrive have you changed Appear here here's kind of grand master plan at all have you changed the end goal in any way you know maybe you wanted an exit somehow that you might forego just because of the world is fundamentally changed or are you in just survival pivot mode right now and you know you're waiting just to see what will happen three months from now
1: literally seven weeks ago so the day before this all happened we actually we closed some funding and incredibly good valuation and our plans for the year in terms of what we wanted to do in internationalization have obviously been put on hold. And in many ways, when sort of, you know, a bit like you've seen the travel industry and you've seen in office, it's just dropped to zero, right? So we are in that place of, you know, the real world retail has been heavily impacted. I think unlike office where suddenly you're going, will you need as much office space? And a lot of the questions around office, I think, actually aren't an acceleration of trends. I think they are a change. Like my viewpoint has changed on remote working. It hasn't accelerated. I'm just like, hang on a minute. I view that differently. I think travel isn't an acceleration of a trend. It's change. Like, should I be traveling as much? What am I going to feel like going on a plane? You know, Those are real big concerns if I was in those industries. I think with retail, it's it's an acceleration of what was happening. For us as a business, the concern, the tough thing, is lockdown and social distancing. So, you know, is that the next six months? Is that the next 12 months? Is it the next 18 months? So for that period, we don't have visibility. We don't know what's going on. So the viewpoint there is, yeah, it's survival. It's how do we get through that period? But when you get through that period... All the acceleration of what's going on in the world heads towards what Appear Here is doing. You know, it's about entrepreneurship. It's about giving people the ability to participate. It's about giving people access. It's about giving people the means to be able to make their ideas happen and bring their passions alive. It's about our streets and our cities not having tons of vacancies. And if prices come down, that only enables more creative businesses to thrive. And that's why a platform like what we are doing exists. So, you know, if, if I was right now in lockdown creating a business and going, hey, there's going to be tons of empty spaces, you know, I'm sat here and, you know, we've been in lockdown, we haven't been out like we want to be. And it only makes you realise just how much you loved it. You know, I don't think I've ever cared so much about the small restaurant that I love to go to or the little coffee shop, you suddenly realise how important that is to your life, not the not the opposite. The idea that somehow that won't exist, I don't believe, you know, I'm sat on Zooms with my mates, right? I'm not sat there going, oh, well, hang on a minute, because I've been on a Zoom call, I'm now no longer going want to meet them in person. I I'm, I'm, can't wait to see them. I think that, sure, there's a lot of great stuff happening online, there's a lot of communities being built online, but you're still gonna to wanna to go there and connect and be part of it, that you know, we're humans. So I think that what we're doing at Peer here is, is only gonna be more relevant. What we've gotta do and what we are doing is making sure that we make all the right tough decisions to protect the team and protect the company and survive this moment, and make sure that we're continuing to innovate and build so we come out of this and we can help more entrepreneurs thrive. And you know what we have seen in every economic downturn And, you know, this isn't just a crisis from a pandemic perspective. We're going to have a big downturn, right? And we don't know what that will look like. But what we do know is that historically, whenever that's happened, the entrepreneurial spirits thrived. There's so many people I know that have either been let go or have been furloughed in different businesses who are incredibly creative, incredibly passionate, and they're using this time to start stuff. And you know, what we're already seeing with commerce businesses doing very well, local commerce businesses, independent commerce businesses that have moved online, is that most of their customers are coming from the local area. So what that shows you is how important their local storefront was. So sure, commerce will be everywhere, commerce will be online, that's where the transaction point is, but retail's a channel, it's media, and we've always said that, and it's the most important channel. You know, All the big D2C brands that have done well prior to this, all had accelerated in offline retail. They didn't start off with that thesis, they moved into it. So I don't think that will change. It will just be after we get through this moment of social distancing.
0: Ross Bailey there, CEO and founder of Appear Here. Well, for a different perspective on all of this, we're crossing now to Mandeep Singh, who's the co-founder of Truva. Truva, if you don't know, is an online platform where you can basically shop for products from physical stores. It's timely if you happen to be a shop that had to close its actual physical doors during lockdown. So, Mandy, but I guess my first question is, how have you guys been adapting as a company?
2: As you say, we're uh, connecting this community of the best independent shops across Europe with customers who want to be inspired and, and find beautiful products. So all our sellers, as it were, are on the platform, are independent shops. But whilst it's been a pretty crazy time, it's it's actually been a pretty good time, actually, because... We were very fortunate in a way in that we now had some shops in italy we saw what was happening in italy first before it started happening across the rest of europe and italy like what's happened over here in the uk shops were forced to close their doors to physical footfall but actually were allowed to carry on trading online and and in fact government was encouraging e-commerce orders what we were able to do was keep the shops still open as it were virtually but just trading online the team worked really hard on that because it it wasn't a simple thing for example a lot of the shops we had to move the inventory from their stores to their homes so essentially the shop owners have been truly working from home and the couriers are coming to collect from their home actually one of the big advantages of small independent shops is that they're often owner managed so Actually a lot of the e commerce giants have really struggled. The likes of Netta Porter, for example, had to stop trading because they couldn't do social distancing within their warehouse. Whereas because we were, you know, a lot of our independents are just owner managed and working from home, that wasn't an issue. So what we thought initially might be a big disadvantage actually turned into a big advantage for independent stores. We've been able to keep the vast majority of our stores open and trading online during during the crisis. And we rolled out that model that we tested in Italy across across the rest of Europe.
0: So in that sense, essentially, Truva is a like a life raft, like you're helping these guys. I'm not doing your marketing for you, <laughs> but I'm saying, you know, my store is closed. I literally physically cannot operate my store brick and mortar. You guys offer this e-commerce platform that I can set up my own shop on it. You know, so they're essentially moving all of their operations to their house then, you're saying? I mean, is that something you're seeing across the board for all of these guys?
2: Uh, Yeah, for a lot. You know, some might have a small warehouse where they can trade from there. Some might be able to go into their store and still trade from their store, even if it's just for online orders. But a lot we've had to be quite radical with. It's obviously a stressful time for these independents because their offline sales have gone down. So It's really been amazing for us to be able to help them. And actually, we've seen a big boost in sales and online and keeping them alive, keeping them trading, even as their physical doors are shut. And it validates the importance of what we're doing and and how important it is for independents to also have an online presence as well as their local stores.
0: After the crisis ends, or at least when it nominally goes back to somewhat normal, I mean, what's in it for you guys? And I don't say this. Lightly, but like, what's really in it for you guys if they never open up their physical store again? Because all you care about is that there's a brand out there, somebody who sells cool things, and they're selling it online. They don't really need to have a physical presence, do they?
2: I mean, what's really interesting, and since uh, in our DNA at the beginning, we've worked with physical stores, and what's quite amazing about... Physical bricks and mortar independent shops and, and boutiques is that what they are is are amazing curators, and they have this physical space where because physical space is limited, they have to be amazing at picking great products and they are creating this range of products for their local footfall, which is really why they exist. a lot of our boutique owners are entrepreneurs as well you know they 've quit their job because their lifelong dream is to have a physical store and have an amazing offline experience so to a large extent, what we do and the, and the guys we work with, it's the offline presence is, is kind of fundamental. It's a concept that wouldn't really exist. I mean, otherwise there'd be just be people like
0: disembodied kind of curators on the internet who are just selling cool stuff they found.
2: Yeah, the physical offline experience and the interaction you get in the offline space. We're lucky because we get to leverage that in building our online presence. Clearly, offline retail is, is even before the crisis is, is really tough and. Online is getting bigger and bigger. So we're bringing that really important element of taking them online and driving those online revenues as footfall goes down. In our view, that's only going to clearly be exacerbated and accelerated by this crisis.
0: In terms of trends, are you seeing a lot of shop owners, the crisis hits, they say, well, I can't possibly operate the shop right now, even from my home, so I'm going to not sell on Truva anymore? Or are you seeing a lot of new people sign up to Truva because I never thought of this before, but now I can't operate physically, so why not try e-commerce? Which way is it going? Are you seeing more sign-ups or are you seeing dropouts?
2: We're not seeing dropouts in the sense that, at least at the moment, that shops are shutting. Not all shops have opted to continue trading during lockdown, so some of them have gone on pause but only a minority. Actually, we're much more excited and, and bullish about the fact that, whilst it might seem obvious to your listeners and to you and I that online is really important and we're big online buyers, we forget that in the kind of categories that we sell, that we think about as discovery categories, homewares, fashion, accessories. 90% of retail in, in Europe is still, well, at least before the crisis, was still offline. So actually, for a lot of independent stores, they haven't necessarily seen like a a big necessity to get online very quickly or how important online can be so if this horrible crisis has a silver lining for us it's set definitely we see that more and more shops will realize how important it is to have an online presence because in our view it's definitely going to accelerate the move to online from on the customer side
0: Yeah, because all those guys who are just cut off from the internet. I mean, I remember when we were talking for, we did an interview a while back for the magazine itself. You were saying a lot of small shops in Germany, for instance, don't know what the internet is, right? (laughs) Like a lot of them just aren't online at all. They might not take credit cards. It's like all cash. Those guys are probably really screwed right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to exaggerate because <laughs> I don't know what the internet is. But, you know, for example, when we first went to gym, we found a lot of shops are not on Google Maps, things which might seem obvious to us. For no doubt, you know, it is really tough and, and you're seeing it in other categories of independence like restaurants, et cetera, as well, where, you know, the ones who weren't doing delivery are having to rapidly change their model or maybe the more um, high-end white tablecloth restaurants, you know, are having to do delivery for the first time and and challenge those notions about whether they should do delivery. And it's not dissimilar for some independent shops because potentially, you know, they might perceive that like, oh, I don't need to do the online thing, you know, I'm happy with my footfall or, you know, maybe online is seen as a less important or less valuable way of reaching customers. And that has to change. You're right. I mean, outside of the independence we work with, we're going through a, it's undoubtedly the greatest consumer recession in history. So it is going to be a tough environment. And I think the medium term is a, is a little bit harder to forecast. It's definitely going to be difficult for a lot of independent shops, service businesses, restaurants, et cetera.
0: We're seeing reopening start. So German small stores are open, you know, stores are opening up in Copenhagen, Austria, Switzerland, obviously in a bunch of places in Asia are, are reopening. So do you suspect you'll see e-commerce sales maybe dip a bit then and, you know, maybe the people flock back to the physical stores to support them in their time of need because, you know, they want to be there and see the owner and say hi? I think we'd
2: like to think so. Although, as you say, we've got shops in Germany and the kind of early anecdotes, uh, that's not happening because... Ultimately, who knows how long this pandemic will last, but it's not going to end with a lockdown in the next few weeks or months for for sure. So there's still a lot of wariness from customers to go out to the shops. Some of them, as I say, might have got used to buying online. So I don't think we'll ever return to the normality that we saw before the crisis. Footfall will be down. People will be reluctant to go into group environments, whether that shops or similar for um, foreseeable future. So whilst some of the, what's going on with online trading at the moment is temporary, I think a lot of it is at least, even if not permanent, certainly um, going to be around for a while. So I don't actually think we're going to see a sudden shift back in the short
0: run. And finally, it's Friday, which means it's Courier Weekly Day. Our email newsletter has hopefully dropped into your inbox this morning or soon will. And as ever on the show, we're here to go through some of the highlights. First up, I'm here with Duncan Griffiths, Courier Senior Editor, who looks after Workshop. And Duncan, we've got a story this week from Italy involving an innovative pharmacy, right?
3: Yeah, so this week we profiled a pharmacy in Genoa who were really kind of ahead of the curve in Italy. The first of 19,000 pharmacies to test a contactless locker system for people to get their prescriptions what's interesting about this is they repurposed these lockers and phone charging kiosks before the law had changed and then when the law changed they had these systems in place where customers can kind of place orders via whatsapp and then collect their prescriptions from these 13 lockers outside the pharmacy initially at the moment over 100 products per day are being distributed by their lockers which counts for about 20% of the takings, and overall sales are up by 10%. So the rental fee, which is around €800, has proven to be well worth it.
0: Thanks, Duncan. We've also got a great story in today's Courier Weekly about how small businesses in Berlin are reopening right now. Uh, Courier's contributor Miriam Partington, who wrote the story, is in Berlin now. She's on the line. And Miriam, you spoke with a ton of businesses. What have they been saying to you?
4: So, yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like there's a lot more life coming back into the business sector, especially as hairdressers opened on Monday and there's been queues out the door. Obviously, lots of people with overgrown fringes like me. as well.
3: Have you
0: had your haircut yet?
4: I have not had my haircut yet.
0: I mean, that must be the single biggest industry right now anywhere that's reopening, right? Salons and barbershops.
4: Exactly. It's impossible to get an appointment. I do know that a lot of um, small retailers have been able to open and I think they're happy to be open but they're also having a problem, I think, trying to recreate the customer experience that they used to have. I chatted to the founder of art and fashion concept store called No Vodka. The founder, Alexandra, her name is she was talking about how she never wanted to be one of these kind of design stores that doesn't allow customers to actually touch the products and interact with them. And so now that she's having to kind of police everybody around the store and say, don't touch this and don't do that, you know, she's finding that quite difficult. And also just the communication barrier as well, of just having to wear a mask and speak to customers and keep this distance. You know, it's kind of hard, I think, for a lot of people to adapt to that for sure. In Alexandra's store, for example, she's only allowed three to four people in at a time. And that includes staff as well. So lots of companies are finding that uh, they can't actually bring back all of their employees at once because of these restrictions. So even though things are getting back into gear in Germany and in Berlin, there's still quite a long way to go yet. It's kind of we're just tiptoeing back to normality at the moment.
3: At least it'll make it a lot harder to shoplift, which is one sort of lining.
4: That's true. Apparently theft has gone down. I think that's probably a worldwide trend as well.
0: (laughs) Cheers, Miriam. Finally, Duncan, you spent the last week learning how to become a Stoic. What'd you learn?
3: Yeah, so very much a philosophy for the times and something which remains in vogue. So yeah, I spoke to Massimo Pigliucci, the author of How to Be a Stoic, and he basically provided four very practical things you can bring into your daily routine to practice stoicism, ranging from starting a journal to practicing moderation. No spoilers here, it's in the newsletter, so sign up for that and have a look.
0: And that's it for today. If you like this episode, as ever, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts. Make sure also to sign up to our Courier Weekly email newsletter for more stories of pivoting, adapting, growing. Head to couriermedia.co slash sign up. I'm Daniel Giacopelli, Courier Daily's back again on Monday.